Section 7 of The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day, by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 5 up lady fair and braid thy hair and rouse thee in the breezy air up quit thy bower late where's the hour long have the rooks cawed round the tower joanna bailey startled from her repose by the noise of the affray the fair maid of perth had listened in breathless terror to the sounds of violence and outcry which arose from the street she had sunk on her knees to pray for assistance, and when she distinguished the voices of neighbors and friends collected for her protection, she remained in the same posture to return thanks. She was still kneeling when her father almost thrust her champion Henry Smith into her apartment, the bashful lover hanging back at first as if afraid to give offense, and, on observing her posture from respect to her devotion, father said the armourer she prays i dare no more speak to her than to a bishop when he says mass now go thy ways for a right valiant and courageous blockhead said her father and then speaking to his daughter he added heaven is best thanked my daughter by gratitude shown to our fellow-creatures here comes the instrument by whom god has rescued thee from death or perhaps from dishonor worse than death receive him catherine as thy true valentine and him whom i desire to see my affectionate son not thus father replied catherine i can see can speak to no one now i am not ungrateful perhaps i am too thankful to the instrument of our safety but let me thank the guardian saint who sent me this timely relief and give me but a moment to don my kirtle nay god a mercy wench it were hard to deny thee time to busk thy body clothes since the request is the only words like a woman that thou hast uttered for these ten days truly son harry i would my daughter would put off being entirely a saint till the time comes for her being canonized for saint catherine the second nay jest not father for i will swear she has at least one sincere adorer already who hath devoted himself to her pleasure so far as sinful man may fare thee well then for the moment fair maiden he concluded raising his voice and heaven send thee dreams as peaceful as thy waking thoughts i go to watch thy slumbers and woe with him that shall intrude on them nay good and brave henry whose warm heart is at such variance with thy reckless hand thrust thyself into no farther quarrels to-night but take the kindest thanks and with these try to assume the peaceful thoughts which you assign to me to-morrow we will meet that i may assure you of my gratitude farewell and farewell lady and light of my heart said the armourer and descending the stair which led to catherine's apartment was about to sally forth into the street when the glover caught him by the arm i shall like the ruffle of to-night said he better than i ever thought to do the clashing of steel if it brings my daughter to her senses harry and teaches her what thou art worth by saint magritter i even love these roisterers and i'm sorry for that poor lover who will never wear left-handed chevron again 
Aye, he has lost that which he will miss all the days of his life, especially when he goes to pull on his gloves. Aye, he will pay but half a fee to my craft in future. Nay, not a step from this house to-night, he continued. Thou dost not leave us, I promise thee, my son. I do not mean it, but I will, with your permission, watch in the street. The attack may be renewed. And if it be, said Simon, thou wilt have better access to drive them back, having the vantage of the house. It is the way of fighting which suits us burghers best, that of resisting from behind stone walls. Our duty of watch and ward teaches us that trick. Besides, enough are awake and astir to ensure us peace and quiet till morning. So, come in this way. So saying, he drew Henry, nothing loth, into the same apartment where they had supped, and where the old woman, who was on foot, disturbed as others had been by the nocturnal affray, soon roused up the fire. "'And now, my dowdy son,' said the glover, "'what liquor wilt thou pledge thy father in?' Henry Smith had suffered himself to sink mechanically upon a seat of old black oak, and now gazed on the fire that flashed back a ruddy light over his manly features. He muttered to himself half audibly, "'Good Henry, brave Henry, ah, had she but said, dear Henry!' "'What liquors be these?' said the old glover, laughing. "'My cellar holds none such. "'But if sack, or Rhenish, or wine of Gascony can serve, "'why, say the word, and the flagon foams, that is all.' "'The kindest thanks,' said the armourer, still musing. "'That's more than she ever said to me before. "'The kindest thanks. "'What may not that stretch to?' "'It shall stretch like kid's leather, man,' said the glover, "'if thou wilt but be ruled, and say what thou wilt take for thy morning's draught.' "'Whatever thou wilt, father,' answered the armourer carelessly, "'and relapsed into the analysis of Catherine's speech to him. "'She spoke of my warm heart, but she also spoke of my reckless hand. "'What earthly thing can I do to get rid of this fighting fancy?' Certainly I were best strike my right hand off and nail it to the door of a church, that it may never do me discredit more. "'You have chopped off hands enough for one night,' said his friend, setting a flagon of wine on the table. "'Why dost thou vex thyself, man? She would love thee twice as well did she not see how thou dotest upon her.' but it becomes serious now. I am not to have the risk of my booth being broken and my house plundered by the hell-raking followers of the nobles because she is called the fair maid of Perth and pleasy. No, she shall know I am her father and will have that obedience to which law and gospel give me right. I will have her thy wife, Henry, my heart of gold, thy wife, my man of metal, and that before many weeks are over." "'Come, come, here is to thy merry bridal, jolly smith.' The father quaffed a large cup, and filled it to his adopted son, who raised it slowly to his head, then, ere it had reached his lips, replaced it suddenly on the table, and shook his head. "'Nay, if thou wilt not pledge me to such a health, I know no one who will,' said Simon. "'What canst thou mean, thou foolish lad?' Here has a chance happened, which in a manner places her in thy power, since from one end of the city to the other all would cry fie on her if she should say thee nay. Here am I, her father, not only consenting to the cutting out of the match, but willing to see you two as closely united together as ever needle-stitched buckskin. 
and with all this on thy side fortune father and all thou lookest like a distracted lover in a ballad more like to pitch thyself into the tay than to woo a lass that may be had for the asking if you can but choose the lucky minute ay but that lucky minute father i question much if catherine ever has such a moment to glance on earth and its inhabitants as might lead her to listen to a coarse ignorant boral man like me i cannot tell how it is father elsewhere i can hold up my head like another man but with your saintly daughter i lose heart and courage and i cannot help thinking that it would be well-nigh robbing a holy shrine if i could succeed in surprising her affections her thoughts are too much fitted for heaven to be wasted on such a one as i am e'en as you like henry answered the glover my daughter is not courting you any more than i am a fair offer is no cause offend only if you think that i will give in to her foolish notions of a convent take it with you that i will never listen to them i love and honour the church he said crossing himself i pay her rights duly and cheerfully tithes and alms wine and wax i pay them as justly i say as any man in perth of my means doth but i cannot afford the church my only and single ewe lamb that i have in the world her mother was dear to me on earth and is now an angel in heaven catherine is all i have to remind me of her i have lost and if she goes to the cloister it shall be when these old eyes are closed for ever and not sooner but as for you friend gow i pray you will act according to your own best liking i want to force no wife on you i promise you nay now you beat the iron twice over said henry it is thus we always end father by your being testy with me for not doing that thing in the world which would make me happiest were i to have it in my power why father i would the keenest dirk i ever forged were sticking in my heart at this moment if there is one single particle in it that is not more your daughter's property than my own but what can i do i cannot think less of her or more of myself than we both deserve and what seems to you so easy and certain is to me as difficult as it would be to work a steel hauberk out of bards of flax but here is to you father he added in a more cheerful tone and here is to my fair saint and valentine as i hope your catherine will be mine for the season and let me not keep your old head longer from the pillow but make interest with your feather-bed till daybreak and then you must be my guide to your daughter's chamber door and my apology for entering it to bid her good morrow for the brightest that the sun will awaken in the city or for miles round no bad advice my son said the honest glover but you what will you do will you lie down beside me or take a part of conachar's bed neither answered henry gow i should but prevent your rest and for me this easy chair is worth a down bed and i will sleep like a sentinel with my graith about me as he spoke he laid his hand on his sword nay heaven send us no more need of weapons good night or rather good morrow till day peep and the first who wakes calls up the other thus parted the two burghers the glover retired to his bed and it is to be supposed to rest 
the lover was not so fortunate his bodily frame easily bore the fatigue which he had encountered in the course of the night but his mind was of a different and more delicate mould in one point of view he was but the stout burgher of his period proud alike of his art in making weapons and wielding them when made his professional jealousy personal strength and skill in the use of arms brought him into many quarrels which had made him generally feared and in some instances disliked but with these qualities were united the simple good-nature of a child and at the same time an imaginative and enthusiastic temper which seemed little to correspond with his labours at the forge or his combats in the field perhaps a little of the hare-brained and ardent feeling which he had picked out of old ballads or from the metrical romances which were his sole source of information or knowledge may have been the means of pricking him on to some of his achievements which had often a rude strain of chivalry in them at least it was certain that his love to the fair catherine had in it a delicacy such as might have become the squire of low degree who was honoured if song speaks truth with the smiles of the king of hungary's daughter his sentiments towards her were certainly as exalted as if they had been fixed upon an actual angel which made old simon and others who watched his conduct think that his passion was too high and devotional to be successful with maiden of mortal mould they were mistaken however catherine coy and reserved as she was had a heart which could feel and understand the nature and depth of the armourer's passion and whether she was able to repay it or not she had as much secret pride in the attachment of the redoubted henry gow as a lady of romance may be supposed to have in the company of a tame lion who follows to provide for and defend her it was with sentiments of the most sincere gratitude that she recollected as she awoke at dawn the services of henry during the course of the eventful night and the first thought which she dwelt upon was the means of making him understand her feelings arising hastily from bed and half blushing at her own purpose i have been cold to him and perhaps unjust i will not be ungrateful she said to herself though i cannot yield to his suit i will not wait till my father compels me to receive him as my valentine for the year i will seek him out and choose him myself i have thought other girls bold when they did something like this but i shall thus best please my father and but discharge the rights due to good saint valentine by showing my gratitude to this brave man hastily slipping on her dress which nevertheless was left a good deal more disordered than usual she tripped downstairs and opened the door of the chamber in which as she had guessed her lover had passed the hours after the fray catherine paused at the door and became half afraid of executing her purpose which not only permitted but enjoined the valentines of the year to begin their connection with a kiss of affection it was looked upon as a peculiarly propitious omen if the one party could find the other asleep and awaken him or her by performance of this interesting ceremony never was a fairer opportunity offered for commencing this mystic tie than that which now presented itself to catherine after many and various thoughts sleep had at length overcome the stout armourer in the chair in which he had deposited himself 
his features in repose had a more firm and manly cast than catherine had thought who having generally seen them fluctuating between shamefacedness and apprehension of her displeasure had been used to connect with them some idea of imbecility he looks very stern she said if he should be angry and then when he awakes we are alone if i should call dorothy if i should wake my father but no it is a thing of custom and done in all maidenly and sisterly love and honour i will not suppose that henry can misconstrue it and i will not let a childish bashfulness put my gratitude to sleep so saying she tripped along the floor of the apartment with a light though hesitating step and a cheek crimsoned at her own purpose and gliding to the chair of the sleeper dropped a kiss upon his lips as light as if a rose-leaf had fallen on them the slumbers must have been slight which such a touch could dispel and the dreams of the sleeper must needs have been connected with the cause of the interruption since henry instantly starting up caught the maiden in his arms and attempted to return in ecstasy the salute which had broken his repose but catherine struggled in his embrace and as her efforts implied alarmed modesty rather than maidenly coyness her bashful lover suffered her to escape a grasp from which twenty times her strength could not have extricated her nay be not angry good henry said catherine in the kindest tone to her surprised lover i have paid my vows to st valentine to show how i value the mate which he has sent me for the year let but my father be present and i will not dare to refuse thee the revenge you may claim for a broken sleep let that not be a hindrance said the old glover rushing in ecstasy into the room to her smith to her strike while the iron is hot and teach her what it is not to let sleeping dogs lie still thus encouraged henry though perhaps with less alarming vivacity again seized the blushing maiden in his arms who submitted with a tolerable grace to receive repayment of her salute a dozen times repeated and with an energy very different from that which had provoked such severe retaliation at length she again extricated herself from her lover's arms and as if frightened and repenting what she had done threw herself into a seat and covered her face with her hands cheer up thou silly girl said her father and be not ashamed that thou hast made the two happiest men in perth since thy old father is one of them never was kiss so well bestowed and meet it is that it should be suitably returned look up my darling look up and let me see thee give but one smile by my honest word the sun that now rises over our fair city shows no sight that can give me greater pleasure what he continued in a jocose tone thou thought'st thou hadst jamie keddie's ring and couldst walk invisible but not so my fairy of the dawning just as i was about to rise i heard thy chamber door open and watched thee downstairs not to protect thee against this sleepy-headed henry but to see with my own delighted eyes my beloved girl do that which her father most wished come put down these foolish hands and though thou blushest a little it will only the better grace st valentine's morn when blushes best become a maiden's cheek as simon glover spoke he pulled away with gentle violence the hands which hid his daughter's face she blushed deeply indeed but there was more than maiden's shame in her face and her eyes were fast filling with tears 
what weeping love continued her father nay nay this is more than need henry help me to comfort this little fool catherine made an effort to collect herself and to smile but the smile was of a melancholy and serious cast i only meant to say father said the fair maid of perth with continued exertion that in choosing henry gow for my valentine and rendering to him the rites and greeting of the morning according to wonted custom i meant but to show my gratitude to him for his manly and faithful service and my obedience to you but do not lead him to think and oh dearest father do not yourself entertain an idea that i meant more than what the promise to be his faithful and affectionate valentine through the year requires of me ay 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 we understand it all said simon in the soothing tone which nurses apply to children we understand what the meaning is enough for once enough for once thou shalt not be frightened or hurried loving true and faithful valentines are ye and the rest as heaven and opportunity shall permit come prithee have done wring not thy tiny hands nor fear farther persecution now thou hast done bravely excellently and now away to dorothy and call up the old sluggard we must have a substantial breakfast after a night of confusion and a morning of joy and thy hand will be needed to prepare for us some of these delicate cakes which no one can make but thyself and well hast thou a right to the secret seeing who taught it thee ah health to the soul of thy dearest mother he added with a sigh how blithe would she have been to see this happy st valentine's morning catherine took the opportunity of escape which was thus given her and glided from the room to henry it seemed as if the sun had disappeared from the heaven at midday and left the world in sudden obscurity even the high swelled hopes with which the late incident had filled him began to quail as he reflected upon her altered demeanour the tears in her eyes the obvious fear which occupied her features and the pains she had taken to show as plainly as delicacy would permit that the advances which she had made to him were limited to the character with which the rights of the day had invested him her father looked on his fallen countenance with something like surprise and displeasure in the name of good st john what has befallen you that makes you look as grave as an owl when a lad of your spirit having really such a fancy for this poor girl as you pretend ought to be as lively as a lark alas father replied the crestfallen lover there is that written on her brow which says she loves me well enough to be my valentine especially since you wish it but not well enough to be my wife now a plague on thee for a cold downhearted goose-cap answered the father i can read a woman's brow as well and better than thou and i can see no such matter on hers what the foul fiend man there thou wast lying like a lord in thy elbow-chair as sound asleep as a judge when hadst thou been a lover of any spirit thou wouldst have been watching the east for the first ray of the sun but there thou layest snoring i warrant thinking not about her or anything else and the poor girl rises at peep of day lest any one else should pick up her most precious and vigilant valentine and wakes thee with a grace which so help me saint magritter would have put life in an anvil and thou awakest to hone and pine and moan as if she had drawn a hot iron across thy lips 
I would to St. John she had sent old Dorothy on the errand, and bound thee for thy valentine service to that bundle of dry bones, with never a tooth in her head. She were fittest valentine in Perth for so craven a wooer. As to craven, father, answered the smith, there are twenty good cocks whose combs I have plucked can tell thee if I am craven or no and heaven knows that i would give my good land held by burgess's tenure with smithy bellows tongs anvil and all provided it would make your view of the matter the true one but it is not of her coyness or her blushes that i speak it is of the paleness which so soon followed the red and chased it from her cheeks and it is of the tears which succeeded it was like the April showers stealing upon and obscuring the fairest dawning that ever beamed over the Tay. Tutti tatti, replied the Glover, neither Rome nor Perth were built in a day. Thou hast fished salmon a thousand times, and mightest have taken a lesson. When the fish has taken the fly, to pull a hard strain on the line would snap the tackle to pieces were it made of wire. Ease your hand, man, and let him rise. Take leisure, and in half an hour thou layest him on the bank." There is a beginning as fair as you could wish, unless you expect the poor wench to come to thy bedside as she did to thy chair, and that is not the fashion of modest maidens. But observe me. After we have had our breakfast, I will take care thou hast an opportunity to speak thy mind. Only beware thou be neither too backward, nor press her too hard. Give her line enough, but do not slack too fast, and my life for yours upon the issue." "'Do what I can, father,' answered Henry. "'You will always lay the blame on me, "'either that I give too much head "'or that I strain the tackle. "'I would give the best habergeon I ever wrought "'that the difficulty and truth rested with me, "'for there were then the better chance "'of its being removed. "'I own, however, I am but an ass "'in the trick of bringing about such discourse "'as is to the purpose for the occasion.' Come into the booth with me, my son, and I will furnish thee with a fitting theme. Thou knowest the maiden who ventures to kiss a sleeping man wins of him a pair of gloves. Come to my booth, thou shalt have a pair of delicate kidskin that will exactly suit her hand and arm. I was thinking of her poor mother when I shaped them, added honest Simon with a sigh, and except Catherine I know not the woman in Scotland whom they would fit, though I have measured most of the high beauties of the court. Come with me, I say, and thou shalt be provided with a theme to wag thy tongue upon, providing thou hast courage and caution to stand by thee in thy wooing. End of section 7